At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I am Vivian McPeak, and this is the Hemp Present Resistance, where we mount a vigorous defense against the bullshit of cannabis prohibition in all of its enduring forms. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Doug McVeigh is an activist, writer, researcher, and speaker with a long history in drug policy reform. He is the editor of Drug Policy Facts and Health Systems Facts, and he maintains the Real Reporting family of websites, including Drug Policy Facts, Health Systems Facts, and Real Reporting Foundation. Doug currently produces and hosts a weekly half-hour radio show called Century of Lies, which is produced for the Drug Truth Network and distributed via the Pacifica Foundation Radio Network. He also produces and hosts a monthly half-hour radio show called Free Culture Radio, which is produced at the studios of KBOO Radio in Portland, Oregon. And is also distributed via Pacifica. As a member of KBOO's Prison Pipeline Collective, Doug also occasionally hosts and produces installments of the Prison Pipeline show. But we are reversing those roles today as Doug McVeigh is once again my guest here on Empercent. Welcome back, Doug, to Cannabis Radio. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. My brother. Um, so let's just dive into the meat of, of the conversation today. President Joe Biden recently announced that he would pardon Americans convicted of federal cannabis possession charges. While that doesn't let anyone out of jails or prisons, it does mean that thousands of Americans will now not have a federal cannabis conviction on their records. I've seen two reactions to Biden's move by seasoned cannabis reformers. Some complain that this is the very least he could do and doesn't go far enough. And others suggest it's a monumental shift in drug policy coming from the highest office in the land. What are your thoughts on Biden's pardon announcement? I agree with everything that you just said, because both of those positions can be held simultaneously. Right. We can, on the one hand, say, I mean, this was this was small beer, as the saying goes. This was weak tea. However, whatever metaphor you want to use, this was it, it was a small thing. It was. But having said that, this statement and that part and that that pardon were the strongest, boldest, clearest and most um most powerful 
statements on marijuana from any American president. There's a period at the end of that. You didn't, I didn't just lose my mic. Any American president, period. I mean, it, yes, Jimmy Carter said, oh, I think decrim would be great. And then he started spraying Paraquat and then he backed down and then the whole advisor cocaine thing. Well, anyway, the, but, you know, I, I started out during the Reagan administration, right? So I'm used to the White House issuing a statement and it's really awful and we have to spend a long time answering some horrible things and this one was good there's some good statements in there that closes with a brilliant thing it's not just marijuana people it's every drug every drug needs to be decriminalized to be legally regulated and safe places to consume but this is a hell of a start in biden's announcement i mean he was basically parroting the words of reformers he was talking about uh, he was citing the disproportionate targeting, profiling, incarceration, people of color, enforcement of cannabis prohibition. I mean, there's I, never been anything even close to this coming from the White House. Are you right? In the history of cannabis prohibition. And, you know, there's even a part where he talks where they mention that, oh, and we have to keep on with these things we have to keep paying attention to. And we have to they didn't use the word um, they have to remain criminal. They didn't say that. It said that they have to be you know, we have to watch over things like age limits and and trafficking. And yeah, OK, well, honestly, I mean, that's kind of mainstream regulation talk right there where we have to deal with the age limits and we have to I mean, trafficking is the wrong word, but. That's, I mean, hey, if technically it's not the right, it's technically it's the right word. It's the wrong word. Um, It's a weird word to see. And it threw me when I read it. I have to admit, I thought that they were coming out to, you know, these things have to remain criminal. That's not what he said. It doesn't say they have to remain criminal, just that we have to um, have, and we have to have regular, not, they didn't use the word regulation either, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for what it didn't say, it's remarkable. And it opened a conversation. Every politician in the country right now, every media outlet right now is talking about marijuana law reform and drug policy. And they're talking about the good parts. There are a few, like I won't mention the names, but there are a couple of people I've seen saying some awful stuff and really angry, but um, from the, from the far right side, but you know, of course, it's an opportunity to ask people to ask your elected representatives to ask those critters running for office right now. We're a month away from from a general election, can you imagine how much an organization would have to spend to get their issue on the tongues of the public to this degree, this close to the 2022 general election, not just any, but this particular one? My God. And the White House did it with just a statement. I mean, for that, I am very, very grateful. Everyone should be asking their candidates. And here's the thing. If the candidate comes out farther to the right of Joe Biden on drug policy, I mean, Joe Biden I, I'm not a fan. I, I buttonholed him a couple of times about drugs in the 1980s. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was even more the, dramatic, right? Coming oh my from God. a guy that was partially an architect of the drug laws. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't quite a Nixon goes to China moment, but, but you know, it's right along those lines. And, um, you know, it's, it, yeah. And again, it's opened up the dialogue. They can't ignore it. They can't step away from it. So people need to be, I mean, you're only a few weeks away from the election, from the election, even if marijuana isn't a part of the campaign, even if drug policy hasn't been mentioned. It's a good opportunity to ask members of Congress what they think. I mean, safe supplies, safe places to consume and the decriminalization of people who use drugs are the bare minimum requests. Hey, the details, that's for the politicians to figure out. But what direction do they want to go? 
So the timing of this obviously was intentional. It's right before the midterms and, you know, which historically don't have a large youth vote and could make a big difference in, in supporting the Democrats. Um, the, 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 the big criticism, of course, uh, that I've heard from reformers is it doesn't go far enough. He should have done more. What else could the president do within his powers that he didn't do? Well, I mean, the the idea of commutations, there are any number of organizations that have people whom um, they want those sentences commuted. A commutation is what actually gets you out of jail. And so people imprisoned for long periods in federal um, for marijuana, there are, I mean, there are plenty of names. Go to places like the Last Prisoner Project. Go to um, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Go to um, any of the other organizations that are working on these particular issues, and they'll have some names for you. Um, but the thing is, those are individual cases, and those are always politically t- tricky. They always wait until the end. Um or they could do in the middle. It's interesting, though, because by doing it this way, he managed to blanket pardon several thousand people. What the, oh, and by the way, the part that always gets missed, and I must mention this, it's, this includes people convicted of misdemeanor minor marijuana possession in the District of Columbia in D.C. Superior Court. That's to say, the, basically, that's the city court for the District of Columbia because the district is a colony. And its citizens don't have the full rights that every other citizen of this country have. And so the feds control the courts. The feds control, um, the, I mean, the, the U.S. attorneys do the prosecuting. The judges are appointed and confirmed by, through the Senate. The, um, the, if you're, D.C. jail is run by the city, but penitentiary down in Virginia, that's federal. So it's the federal system. They have that jurisdiction and within the pardon is a specific um, is a specific uh, mention of the, the or the specific inclusion of those marijuana um, charges in the District of Columbia. That means everybody who's ever gotten busted for possession at the Fourth of July smoke in over the last several years, and we always had people getting busted at that thing. All of those misdemeanor marijuana charges are now pardoned. Um, all of the people in the city. I mean, people. Yeah, sure. It's a throwaway offense, marijuana. Well, it is. You know, hundreds of thousands every year, and we're talking about the District of Columbia. This isn't the DEA. Yes, okay, it's not a big priority for the federal cops. Well, you know, DC police are the ones making those arrests, and a lot of them are garbage. A lot of them are just sweeps, or they're just you know they're just garbage arrests, but they're still ruining lives. And that's the part that doesn't get mentioned enough. There are thousands of people who are people in the District of Columbia, a lot of them young, a lot of them black, and a lot of them have nothing else on their record except this garbage misdemeanor marijuana charge. They're finally going to get their rights back. I, I, I'm sorry for going on about it, but that's I mean, it, it, it is on the one hand. I mean, yeah, this was a minor thing that he did. But Jiminy Crickets, on the other hand, the um, I, I do radio, so FCC, can you tell? Jiminy Crickets, it, that's a lot of people, um, you know, in a place like D.C. who are suddenly going to, you know, get this, um, get that burden lifted. I mean, that's a that it's powerful. You know, since we are not on the FCC, I think I can say and I can I can actually quote Joe Biden. This is a big fucking deal. Um, I am uh, speaking to Doug McVeigh. We're going to take a quick break, come back with a second segment. It's a fatty. So we're going to light it up here in a minute. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We're back on Hand Present with Doug McVeigh. Uh, Doug, by a two-to-one margin, Americans polled support Biden's pardoning of federal cannabis convictions. 68% of Americans polled would like America's governors to follow suit and pardon those who have state court convictions for cannabis possession after Biden called on governors to pardon simple state marijuana possession offenses. Predictably, Republican governors Greg Abbott from Texas, Bill Lee from Tennessee, and Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas all issued statements dismissing the president's request. Those same three governors, of course, have taken in over $263,000 from donors linked to private uh, to the private prison industry, which in all has funneled over a million bucks in the state elections in the last four years, almost all to Republicans. How can we see substantive reforms while the money in politics is influencing politicians to maintain the federal prohibition status quo? Well, and this is the thing, you got to really be, um, you got to just keep at it. You just got to keep hammering at it because this is, I mean, if... <sighs> More than 100,000 people died over the last, over the 12 month period that ended in May of this year. The numbers for 2021, there are more than 100,000 people who died. And it's not just overdose. It's a toxic drug supply. And these are people who basically went out, they got a small amount and they didn't know what was in it. They died as a result. And that's where our drug supply is at. And it's going to just get more. It's going to just get worse. I mean, marijuana legalization is the tip of the iceberg. We showed in Oregon back in 2020 that there's broad, strong support for real decriminalization when we passed Measure 110. That was 58% who passed that. And recent polling of more than a 1,000 Oregon voters found that at least 58% still support decriminalization. It's closer to about 60. We've got even more people who support the other aspects because in addition to that, we're also using marijuana marijuana money, not for cops, but rather for support services and necessary services like housing and um, and medical and other kinds of health care, mental health care, the things that people need when they are suffering with some kind of substance use disorder or some kind of substance use issue. These are the things that people need to stop them from developing problematic substance use to I mean, it's just so vital. It's so important. And it's stuff that we don't have money for, but we just 
there's 200, 300 million dollars going into that in this state. And that's just over the, for that just went in. We're going to be seeing that kind of money going in every couple of years as a result of measure 110. And people are able to, you know, establish some degree of trust with these agencies too, because if you're person who's using, um, it's, it's, you know, there's all kinds of things that you're going to need in terms of if you're injecting, there's wound care, there's the possibility of abscesses. People need health care. They need particular we need supervised supplies. injection sites. Well, supervised consumption sites. At the, One at, the, of, at the minimum. Supervised consumption sites, because it's more than just, I yes, mean, you've also injection. got inhalation. Right. And yes. especially consider some people might inject or smoke when it right. comes to things like cocaine or methamphetamine, certainly. Um, and if they have that option of smoking and they're not poking a hole through their skin, which I don't like to stigmatize anyone for their use, but you, poking a hole through your skin is it's a better. little more dangerous than, um, than, uh, than smoking. You know, right. I mean, that's just, yeah, I used, just, I used a, an outdated term. So thank you for correcting me on that on, on oh. uh, consumption sites. And, and of course, if people aren't injecting, there's less of a chance to s- share bloodborne illnesses. Um, Back to polling data, you, you, you referred to the three to one margin or 72 to 26 percent of Americans support changing federal law so that cannabis is no longer scheduled uh, as a classified as a schedule one drug, which, of course, means the government believes it has no medical use, poses a high potential for abuse and that there's no safe way to use it, even under medical supervision. Even fentanyl, arguably the most dangerous drug in America right now, is not schedule one, but cannabis is. President Biden called for a rescheduling of cannabis which I think only Congress can do. But what we need is not a rescheduling. We need cannabis to be removed from the federal schedule entirely. Do you agree? And if so, why? With, I, well, I, I've been saying deschedule for quite a long time, even wrote up a paper about treating um, marijuana. I prefer the slang term. I've never really thought that a 19th century Swedish botanist was the person to tell me what I should call my drug. Otherwise, I'd be sipping on a cup of Camellia sinensis instead of this <laughs> lovely tea tea being a slang word from asia um anyway the uh the uh well slang it's what people call it the the uh the thing is about that statement it didn't actually say we should reschedule to look, look at reschedule they it said that the attorney general and health and human services secretary should review the scheduling right. which which doesn't prescribe what they should do which is why they have which is great Great. So they haven't been told they should reschedule. We need to make the point that they need to be descheduling it. I agree. That's absolutely essential. But I know I I mean, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden. I voted for him because I didn't like the other guy. But I don't much. But it sounds like I'm I'm defending. And, you know, he's evolving. Right. Would you agree that he's evolved quite a bit? Oh, Considerably. I mean, he was one of the architects of a lot of this awful stuff. The mandatory minimums that the mandatory minimums that were put into place, it wasn't just about mandatory minimums. There was also the sentencing commission that was being put in place because the sentencing guidelines were going into effect. If you had only the sentencing guidelines or only the mandatory minimums, well, they would be problematic in and of themselves. But when you have the combination of both of those things and they happened at about the same time, then it's just turned into a nightmare as a result. That's where a lot of the real problem came in was because they created these two stupid ideas and ha- and put them both into effect at once. It's not just one or the other. It's such a mess. Um, and yeah, Joe is responsible. Having said that, Ronald Reagan was the president. Edwin Meese was the attorney general. They were carrying on the Nixon vow to turn this country so far to the right you wouldn't recognize it. And, you know, 
I mean, in fairness, they successful. they've been at, and they, and they're pretty damn diligent too because the GOP's been at that pretty much nonstop ever yeah. since. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at the potential loss of our democratic republic uh, as a result of their success. Really, um, <clears throat> speaking of money and drug policy, over multiple decades, community activists all over America, we know many of them. Uh, worked for cannabis reform, despite the fact that there was not much money available to lobby politicians and mount media campaigns. But today, there is a burgeoning retail cannabis industry operating in a few dozen states with billions of dollars being generated. Still, there seems to be less money available for the reform movement than even before, and little enthusiasm for reform efforts. Uh, when we when we're we're kind of on a roll, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's about regulation. I you know I I don't see. Uh... I don't know how much the alcohol industry really cares about homebrew, and I'm guessing that's why there are only we only have the kind of regulations we currently do. Um, but you know, well, the alcohol industry is doing just fine with homebrew, right? Oh well, yeah. I mean, th- there are there are restrictions, and you, you know, there are some other things. But for the most part, people go with it. The, the weed, on the other hand, it's so easy to grow. It's so easy to grow at home, and that's you can understand why the uh, the monopolies would want to keep that kind of thing under wraps. There's a um, <laughs> ah, there's a brilliant book John Brunner wrote many years ago called Stand on Zanzibar, where the theft, where the very tight control over marijuana production with I mean with like extremely extremely high tech kinds of measures and extreme security in a in a, in a person who's being blackmailed into getting a cutting of their uh, of their strain it's um because you know such tight controls have to be um maintained in order to uh, make a big profit and um it's really funny to see how much of stand on zanzibar has been coming true bloody brilliant book um it, i mean it's not really surprising and it's you know it's um well, and drug policy reform is a lot more than just legalization of weed. It, ha- I mean, it's, you know, there's so much left to do in terms of um, marijuana use and in terms of people who use marijuana, but you've also got um, about, you know, it's much broader. And we have, you know, back in the old days, when I was put, when I first worked on drug policy facts, there were about 16 to 20,000 people dying of drug overdose every year. We made the point that there were so many other causes, this whole concern over people and that the toxic drug supply, as bad as it was, wasn't actually killing that many. And now we're up over 100,000 people a year, which sadly isn't getting the attention that it really ought to. I think people are just numbing out, but it's because of a toxic drug supply. Fentanyl? Well, yes. And then there's car fentanyl. Xylazine's been coming into play recently. That's been doing more with wounds and abscesses, but it's also causing problems with death. And that's not going to be the only stuff. When it comes to the stimulants, you'll eventually see more exotic synthetic cathinones coming online and being mixed in. You'll find other kinds of substances being used. And it depends where you're at in the street market. I looked at a report from University of Victoria, their nightlife sampling of people turning in sub substances and getting them tested, found one sample of cocaine that was ground glass. Now, that's obviously not someone who's a regular dealer. That's somebody just flipping some kind of um, yeah, money. Not good, not good for business. Obviously um, not. We, but we, hey, we got to go break soon, so, so finish your thought. Uh, just, it's just the, the street market is 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 too toxic right now and there desperately needs to be supply and i mean i don't yeah hopefully these marijuana people will realize that they got to do more 
for just to keep the customer base alive. Doug McVeigh is my guest. We're going to come right back with our third segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. And we're back for the third segment with Doug McVeigh of Drug Policy Facts, Health Systems Facts, and Real Reporting Foundation, among other things. Um, so, you know, as you kind of mentioned, Doug, it's no surprise that right-wing talking heads have been criticizing Biden's move to pardon federal cannabis convictions. One recently compared cannabis legalization to broken windows policing, claiming that the presence of cannabis communities somehow contributes to crime decay. Um, while, while drug policy hasn't really been a, a big role, playing a big role in national politics in recent years, I just noticed lately in, in the media, there just seems to be a lot of reefer madness news articles being published lately often citing vague or questionable scientific studies. Uh, have you noticed this? What do you think is going on? There's a general pushback. There's always going to be the, um, I mean, and reform has been seeing more and more success. It's in the United States, but throughout Abiyala, up in the, the northern part in what we call Canada now, as well as what we call the United States down here, we're seeing more progress on reform generally. And so they're pushing back. The people who want to push back against that happen to be anti-weed folks. So we're seeing a full court press. And it's understandable. They want to have a full court press. Um, it, 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 and it's, it's part of the culture war, the right wing culture war, because they, they don't really have policies anymore. They've got grievance. Am yeah, I right? They've, the people who opposed never stopped. They may have decided to make a buck, but opponents never changed just because we won some elections. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in a lot of things, but it's certainly also the case in about weed. I mean, they it's and yeah, there's I mean, there will never there'll never be people going broke trying to push a lie, especially if it's about control. And it is about control. They're also probably scared. If you saw federal legalization, then, wow, this would be a different place. I yeah. And it just buys in. It just it really, you know, it plays right into their their fear campaign. Right. A lot of that. Well, keeping people off balance, keeping people afraid, making people question all kinds of stuff. I mean, marijuana is legal. Yes, but there's a lot of people out there who still don't understand much about it and don't use the stuff. And and, and, and the latest right. I'm sorry. The latest right wing attack is that it's contributing to violence, which is. (laughs) <laughs> it you know no there's even uh, the guy in one of the the, the Republican for Senate was even it in, in uh was in a debate was even saying was even saying oh well all these marijuana prisoners in the, the you know well we hear about that but but he was actually claiming that these marijuana prisoners had actually committed violent crimes and and the, the weed was just the only thing we could put them away for and <laughs> and it's just I mean my God the nuts are they just, just shit up. They make it up. And again, the back to the president's statement, this is the opportunity to get these people on record in the press and the public. I mean, they'll all say that we can't arrest our way out anymore. They'll all say, well, we should be taking people to treatment. Okay, you know, this is lovely. What do you want to do? What are you doing and what do you want to do? Not none. I mean, that's lovely. How are we going to achieve that? Because what, you know, some of these guys are pushing policies that are just the opposite of what they are saying. So, you know, follow, we got to, you know, assume the bad answer. Let's just go to the follow up. So what are you doing? Why did you choose to support this? You know, this is what I mean, Joe Biden, a drug warrior from the 1980s, this awful, awful guy who's barely switched over to realize weed is a popular topic with some Democrats has said this. What are you I mean, how can how can people ever say that kind of stuff and be taken seriously in public again? They're to the right of Joe Biden on drugs. Dear 
God, that's just lunacy. I mean, that really, that's, that's reefer madness. And, and, you know, we've tried these policies, right? We see that they don't work. I mean, if, if the purpose of cannabis, of federal cannabis uh, prohibition was to stop people from using cannabis, marijuana, has there been a bigger waste of money or failure of a, a policy failure in the history of, of American politics, right? I mean, it's absolutely true. All of, any of this ever do, ever has done has been to advertise and to, in some respects, promote. And it's just ridiculous. And if you just, we found that with we found with weed by legalizing it, you're actually making it more boring, and young people aren't as attracted. So you know, it's just get over this stuff. We got to stop glamorizing substances like alcohol. We also need to stop glamorizing these illegal ones. So we have about a minute left uh, to talk, Doug. I could, you know, go on for hours with you. You have such a vast knowledge. Share your final thoughts. Um, I, my mantra these days has been safe supply now. Yes to supervised consumption sites and decriminalize people who use drugs. You got to have a legal safe supply. That's a key. You've got to have a, a legal safe place in which to consume. And it's not a question of an outdated s- slogan. I mean, a lot of these really are just supervised injection sites, but you need to have a, su- a, su- a safe place to consume. And honestly, I've been in bars at 10 o'clock you know, at night, midnight. Those aren't safe consumption spaces. Those are that's a bad <laughs> analogy, you know? Yeah, man. That's yeah, just, yeah. Oh, man. But, right. And you got to have the decriminalization of people who use drugs. Unfortunately, we've got to leave it there, but that's a great place to leave it. Doug McVeigh of DrugPolicyFacts.org. Thanks for being on the show again, my friend. Thank you. That concludes this installment of Hemp is on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find your voice. Speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. The Hemp Present theme song, uh, the Hemp Present intro song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush. The outro, or excuse me, the intro song is Seven Mile Beach from Joanne Rand. The outro song is... Take back the plant by sticker voice. I'll get it right next week. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.